I've entitled this message, Personal Transformation. Personal Transformation. What does it mean for us to be transformed? Let's pray, then we're going to dive in. Hello, on the floor there. You like the floor? It's good, it's all right. Father, we want to thank you for this day. We want to thank you for what, what Sarah's doing with her friends. That's just a wonderful example for all of our Arise and Empower kids of shining the light of Jesus in their school. May they see that testimony and grab it. And may they live that out. And Father, as I have the privilege now of sharing what I believe you want us to say, what you want me to say, what you want to say to each one of us, give us ears to hear what you're saying, hearts that are open. And Lord, use this message for your glory. Anoint me for this task in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, friends, as I've shared before, I prayed the prayer to become a Christian when I was eight in a scripture class. And I went to church. And at church, I went to Sunday school, and I was taught all this information about God. Although the information was good, it didn't lead to any life change or any transformation. I knew lots of stuff, but didn't live in a way that honored God. It wasn't until I was 17 years of age where I had a strong encounter with God where, where something changed, where my passions, my desire, my wants in here changed in that I wanted to honor God. Now, I wasn't the worst kid. I simply was like every other 15, 16, 17-year-old boy at East Hills Boys High School. So I had a bit of transformation to take place. When I got serious about Jesus, the, uh, the uh, first thing that, that um, God dealt with was swearing. And so as a 15, 16, 17-year-old kid, I just spoke like every other unsaved 15, 16, 7-year-old kid at East Hills Boys. And when this passion, desire, change on the inside happened, I was like, God, I don't want to swear anymore. Can you help me deal with this? God changed me so I don't swear and I choose not to. And within a few weeks, that one was dealt with. Pretty amazing. One that was a bit more difficult was the alcohol thing, the 16-year-old party alcohol binge drink thing. That took me a couple of years to get out of as I desired to honor God and choose, choose him. Another one that took me a few more years was the way I treated girls. As a young boy, I went into relationships for what I could get out of it. And it took me till I was about the age of 23 years old where I worked out that when you're in a, when you're in a relationship, it was, it's not what you can get out of it, but rather what you can give to it. And so as my passions, desires, my understanding of God and my character changed, I then started to treat Michelle in the way, well, mostly, in the way that she deserved it, mostly, because I don't always get it right by any means. As, as a person at the age of 17, 18, passionate about God, passionate about serving people, sharing my faith, I got heavily involved in church ministry. And I was involved in teams doing music ministry, kids ministry, kids clubs, youth ministry, I did everything pretty much. And uh, one of the things that had to change was the way I gave, the, uh, way I gave feedback. I, 20 years later, I do it much, much more differently. Now we, can talk, now we call it constructive criticism. For me, at the age of 17 or 18, it was just criticism. I would just say, that was good, that was bad, and let's fix it. And, and, and that hurt a, a lot of people. I didn't know it at the time. My, my, my heart wasn't bad. But because that part of me was not yet transformed, was not yet changed, I hurt a lot of people. And at the age of 40 now... Although a number of parts of my life have changed and I've been transformed, 
I'm definitely not there yet. All you need to do is talk to Michelle for three minutes and she'll tell you that I'm definitely not there yet. There are areas of life where I'm stuck, where my passions and and desires need to change, my time management, the way I honor God in every area of my life. I'm on a journey and and I'm being deliberate in this season around personal transformation. Can you relate to my story this morning? Can you relate to the time when you committed your life to Jesus and you had a, a, a number of rough edges, and then you went on a journey of transformation, of change. And slowly but surely, God knocked off those edges, and you're becoming more and more the people who God would want you to be, to be like Jesus. Is, is that true for some of us today? It's true of us? Well, that's good, because that's exactly what God wants for us from Romans chapter 8. He says, and we know that in all things, God works for, this is Paul, God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. God has not just saved you and wants you to stay the same. He wants to rescue you, predestine you, choose you. and That's another whole topic. He doesn't want to leave you as you are. He wants you to change. He wants you to be conformed into the image of Jesus so that your life looks like Jesus' life. And that's not just about behavior modification because if we try and live like Jesus, we're going to continue to fall short. But if God does something in here, in our hearts, if he changes our passions, if he changes our desires, well, then we're going to look a lot, a lot, a lot more like Jesus. Or maybe as you've heard what I've just said, You're thinking to yourself, you know what, Nathan, I did become a Christian, but there's these areas, there's these major areas where I'm stuck, or I haven't been transformed. And friends, this is common. It's not the way it should be, but it's common. Growing up, there was this guy about 20 years older than me who was a a, a strong influence in my life. He, He led worship, he preached exogenically, he spoke into my life. And in some areas, he was doing really, really well. But then there's this other areas where there was these areas where he just was not being transformed. He was critical. He was negative, And he continued to put out his agenda. And this wasn't a bad day or a bad week or a bad year. This was a bad 20 years, 30 years, even today. So 40 years this has been going on. Pastors spoke to him about this critical, negative thing. Leaders spoke to him. I even sat down with him and said, hey, this is not working. It hurts people. It's not working. You are losing respect. And as a result, he sidelined himself from ministry, meaning that he didn't, people didn't respect him and people didn't give him opportunities because his critical, negative agenda pushing. This guy is a Christian And he goes to church every week, he financially does it, he goes to the small groups he serves, and yet he has these massive areas in his life where he's not transformed. How does that happen? How can someone be a Christian and go to church and hear the word of God and and, and do all the right things but not have transformation in their lives? How is that possible? Now you might be thinking, actually that's, the person next to me, or that's that person three rows in front of me, or you might think that's me. 
You might feel stuck this morning. There's areas where you're not being transformed. So this morning, we're going to look at how are people, how are people transformed? What are the steps? What are the things that we need to do in order for us to live a life that looks like Jesus? Over the last four times I've spoken, I've spoken to you about the parable of the sower. And in the last soil, Jesus describes it like this. The seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word of God and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times that which was sown. And I said last time I spoke and over the last few weeks that God desires us to grow. God desires us to live, to live a fruitful life. And I desire, excuse me, I define fruitfulness like this. Fruitfulness is fulfilling the purpose that Jesus has for your life. I broke it into three parts. A thriving relationship with God, what I spoke about, what Christy spoke about last week. Personal transformation. And number three, influencing others. And today we're going to focus on the second one around personal transformation. Now, when people think about transformation today, they often think about outward transformation. Here are some thoughts. Who is that person there who knows his name? Steve Rogers, who became... Captain America. Who's this person? Arnold Schwarzenegger became Arnold Schwarzenegger. You like that one? That made me giggle. That happens to the best office at Marcella. You're still on that side. No, which side? You're still on this side, Marcella. Still on that side. Not for much longer, Marcella. Not for much longer. Who's this guy? Steve. And who became? And who's this person? And, and look what happened. And look what happened. You like that one? You like that one? Yes. Yes. And this was 20 years ago. Transformation of the outward. And it's good to do exercise. It's good to train. It's good to be healthy. But But Paul says this. For physical training is of some value. Physical training is of some value. But godliness has value for all things. Holding promise for the both the present life and the life to come. Training in godliness, transformation of our lives. Let's talk about this. What is transformation? Let me tell you what it's not to begin with. Transformation is, not, is, much, is much more than behavior modification. I'll say that again, really important. Transformation is much more than behavior modification. Behavior modification is about learning how to behave in certain situations. I remember as a teacher, we, we, we regularly did year assembly. So year seven would come in and then year eight would come in. And I'd have to do the music and the PA and all that sort of stuff as the music teacher. And the principal would every time, same thing at semi-bananas, she would talk about how to behave at an assembly or how to behave at a funeral or how to behave at a wedding or how to behave at a church service. There's this, there are these ways to behave. It wasn't about transformation of desire, passion, longing, want. It was simply, this is how you behave in this situation. It was behavior modification. Transformation is not behavior modification. Transformation is a change on the inside that results in living God's way. If you're taking notes, write it down. Transformation is a change on the inside, a change of your passions. It's a change of desire. It's a change of what we want. It's a change in our longing. It's a change in what the things that we crave for. And when we're changed here, when our passions, our our desires, when our cravings change, we then live a different way. We then live a way that God would want us to live. John Oakberg, and we're going to talk about him a a bit later, says this, 
I don't just go around trying to do the right things. I become the right sort of person. I don't just go around trying to do the right things. I become the right sort of person. I have a mentor. His name's Craig Farmer. And one of the things Craig has done with me, and he said, Nathan, you need to read this book. And it's this book called The Life You've Always Wanted by John Ortberg. When, when our Craig mentored me 10 years ago, he also told me to read it. I didn't read it then. I'm, I'm reading it now. And in this book, he talks about Christian transformation. He talks about the uh, journey that God wants for each one of us to become like Jesus, to live differently. And, and so he's writing to Christians, Christians that are part of the church. And this is one of the quotes, and this quote just stuck out to me. Read this. If we aren't transformed, we settle for being informed or conformed. And I was like, boom. If we aren't transformed as Christians, we settle for being informed, in other words, get lots of knowledge, but no change, or conform, meaning that we look at the people in the room, the people in your life groups, your Christian friends, and you live like they live. Transformation is rather a change of our desires, our passion, our longing, which results in living in the way that God wants us to live. Let me give you some examples. Let's talk about the way that we speak. God says don't gossip. God says don't swear. Don't tell rude jokes. Rather, speak life. Speak things that are good and and godly and things that are uplifting. If you're informed, you sit in church, you listen to the preacher, I am informing you. You hear all this stuff about don't speak this way, rather speak this way. In, when you are informed, you simply hear it, but it doesn't lead to any change in your life. Conform means this. Well, I'm going to see how my friends speak. If my friends gossip, well, then it's okay for me to gossip. If my friends swear, then it's okay for me to swear. If my friends encourage, well, then I'll encourage. I'm going to simply conform to the people around me. Transformation, he says, God, I have a passion and a desire to live your way and to speak the way I'm going to speak. Therefore, I'm going to speak life and I'm going to speak encouragement and I'm not going to use that filthy language from my lips. I'm not going to get involved with that. I'm not going to get involved with crude joking. Rather, I'm going to lift people up. That's transformation. Another one, let's talk about alcohol. Oh, alcohol. Inform means the Bible teaches everyone, do not get drunk. So you go, okay, the Bible says don't get drunk. But then you live however you want to live. That's information. That's informed. Conform means this. I'm going to watch how much alcohol my Christian friends drink. They might have one drink, therefore I'm going to have one drink. They might have three drinks, therefore they might drink to excess, therefore I'm going to drink to excess because I'm conforming to what my, Christians, what, 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 what my Christian friends say is okay or their behavior is okay and I'm going to copy. Transformation is a passion and a desire within you to say, God, I'm not going to be controlled by anything because your word says says for me to be self-controlled. God, I have a passion and a desire to be self-controlled, so I'm not going to allow any substance to get in the way of me being self-controlled. That's transformation. Informed, conformed, look at your faces. I think you're just like, are you processing this? Is this helpful this morning? Isn't that a good quote? Informed, conformed, transformed. And when we preach at LifeGate Church, our desire is what we say. We, we are talking about steps to put it into your life 
so that you will be transformed. Every message. It's not just knowledge. It's about what do we do with this knowledge. Let me take and aside for the moment as we got this, this, this definition of transformation up, a change of desire, passion, longing, craving on the inside, which results in godly living. Let me just take and aside and, and, and let's just talk about new believers. And what I want to say is this. Mature believers, we should not expect a new believer to act like a mature believer. We should not expect a new Christian to have the swearing thing sorted out yet or the alcohol thing sorted out yet or the relationship thing or, or their lifestyle thing sorted out yet because they haven't been on the transformational journey like you and me. Do you like that? If, if, um, raise your hand if you can run a marathon. If I said, um, get changed, put a pair of running shoes on and you're going to run a marathon, maybe Colin Seckholt. Anyone else can run a marathon today? Colin, can you run a marathon today? Yeah, he could run a marathon today. Only one. Anyone else? Have you run one this morning? Not this morning. The reason we can't run a marathon because he can is because he's trained. His body has been transformed, changed, so that he's able to run a marathon. And as, and as Christians, we go on a transformational journey and then God shows us the areas that need to change. And as you get older and as you get older, you should be getting more and more like Jesus. Mr. Rex, who sings so beautifully, you should be the person who looks most like Jesus because you've been the Christian the longest in this room. If you want to see what, 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 what Jesus looks like, well, friends, let's look at this man because he's walked with Jesus the longest. He's had the opportunity to be transformed. So when we see brand new Christians doing stupid stuff, don't write them off. Don't speak negatively about them. Get alongside them, cuddle on them, and show them a much better way. Amen? Amen. The, the Apostle Paul had to go through that. In Acts chapter 9, he gets saved, and then he goes straight into the synagogue and starts preaching. And because of the way he did it, he created such a stir that, that the Christian leaders sent him off to Tarsus for a number of years for him to be transformed into the light, more, more like Jesus, and then come back and preach. We all need this transformational journey, and it makes sense why the scriptures say things like, do not be hasty in the laying on of hands. Don't put brand new Christians in leadership roles because they haven't got the characters to sustain it yet. We're on a journey of transformation. So here we go, rubber hits the road. How are we transformed? I'm going to give you three things this morning about transformation, practical things that you can put into your life in order for you to be transformed. The practical, practical, number one is this. Renew your mind. Romans 12 says this. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Actually, verse 1 says, Therefore, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. He says, do not con- that's a spiritual act of worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. How are you transformed? By the renewing of your mind, by thinking differently, by getting God's thoughts into yourself and starting to think the way God thinks as your mind is changed, as you fill yourself with God's truth. And as you do that, as you start to think the way God thinks, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. You will know what is right and what is wrong because you think the way he thinks. 
You'll think the way he thinks. You'll know what is right and what is wrong. A little expression. Here it is. Thinking affects doing. How you see yourself. Actually, let me go back a step. The way you think affects the way you see yourself. The way you see the world. It affects your life. And the way you think determines how you live. Let me ask you a few questions. Number one, if I ask you to describe yourself this morning, I wonder how you would describe yourself. Would you describe yourself in the way that God describes you or another version? A renewed mind in the things of God sees yourself as God sees you, not some other version. If I sat down with you and, and, and I talked about your failures in life, and we all have them, I've just shared some this morning of mine, I wonder if you are still holding on to your failures and your failures are holding you back from being the person that God wants you to be. Rather than seeing your failings as dealt with through the third cup, like Sam talked about, of Jesus' death for you and for me, that your failure is dealt with, it's over, and you now have a new life. I wonder how you see your failures this morning. If I ask you to tell me what your purpose is in life, I wonder if you go, oh, I don't know. Or you'd have to sit there for a few minutes and process it. Or could you, or could you quickly say, my purpose in life is to honor God with my everything. I'm here to love God. I'm here to love people. I'm here to honor my wife. I'm here to raise my children in the way that they should go so that when they're old, they would not depart from it. I'm called to be a leader in God's church. I'm called to present his message clearly. That's what I'm called to because that is what God has called me and my mind has been renewed to believe that. If I asked you what your purpose is, I wonder if you could answer that quickly if your mind has been renewed. The reality is, as I talk to people, most people... Actually, let me go back. All of us have not had the renewed mind as, as much as God would want for us. There is more, friends. There is more renewing. There is more new thinking that God has for each one of us. And as we grab a hold of his thinking, it affects the way we live, the way we act. When you think you are accepted by God, you no longer look for acceptance from other people. Boom, I'll say that again. If you know in your mind you believe, you believe that you believe that you are accepted by God, you don't look for acceptance from other people because that acceptance has been met through God. If you believe in your mind that you think and you, and you know that you are valued by God, we no longer look for value in what we achieve, men. When we know that we are valued by God, we no longer get our value from our achievements. When we know our mind is renewed to know that we are chosen by God, ladies particularly, if I may, we don't go around looking for someone else to choose us because we've already been chosen. When we believe we are his workmanship, created in Christ to do good works, well, then when an opportunity comes, we go, oh, should I, can I, can I? No, God has called me. I can. I can because this is what God has for me to do. The way you think affects the way you live. The way you think 
enables you to um, affect the way you see yourself. Here's some things from Dr. Caroline Leaf. Who likes Caroline Leaf? If you know who she is, she's a brain nerd specialist. And she talks about renewing your mind, friends, and it is simple. Here is five steps. Number one, she says you need to be aware of what you're thinking about. Don't just think, so what am I thinking about? What are my thoughts? Number two, write down your thoughts. My thought is I'm not good enough. Write it down. Is that, how does that compare with God's truth? Is that God's truth? If it is, tick it. If it's not, write down God's truth. I am good enough through Jesus. I am loved. I am valued. I'm accepted. And number five, then pray God will change your thinking to believe his truth. God, I believe I am valued. Change my heart. Change my mind. Change my passion, desires, will to know who you think about me, who you say I am and that I'll believe it. Write that down if you haven't written it down. Take a photo if you haven't taken a photo. If you've got poor thinking, do these things. And slowly you, you will renew your mind. You will change thinking. Number one, the other two are much shorter. We're coming to the end. Number one, renew your mind. People taking photos. Got it, steve Number two, meet with God. Christy spoke about this last week. I spoke about it the week before. Friends, that when we meet with God, we create opportunities for him to influence our lives. And as we do that, as we allow God to move in us, to change us, we display his fruit. The fruit of the Spirit, the, spirit, the fruit of the work of the Spirit of God in our life is love, is joy, peace, forbearance, or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and, and self-control. As we allow the Spirit of God's space, room to impact our lives, God changes us. He changes, excuse me, our passions, our desires, our will. A couple of weeks ago, I, I, I spoke about these five things that you can do in your lives that will help you encounter God, to talk to God, to listen to God, to be in the Word, to spend time in worship. Luckily, this morning, it was wonderful this morning. And, and to walk with God through the day, talk to Him, journey with Him. And by doing these things, you create environments for God to move in your world. And to change you, to renew you, to do something incredible in your life, to change the inside. The third thing is this. Is Melissa Cottrell here this morning? Melissa, the influence of others. I had the privilege of sitting, not sitting. We, we, we talked in the four at Liverpool last week, Melissa. And Melissa just told me about all the stuff that God is doing in her world. And as I listened to it, my heart just beamed. I was so encouraged by the things that God's doing in your world, Melissa, and you're doing. So, so encouraged by that. You know, when you hang around people who are full of God or full of passion for Him, it rubs off on you. It goes, you know what? I want to be like Melissa, so I'm going to pursue God more. I'm going to love God more. And it leads you to that place where you encounter Him more, where you want to renew your mind more. But, but also the reverse is true. In 1 Corinthians 15, it says this, bad company corrupts good character. Bad company corrupts good character. We've got to be careful about who's influencing our lives. It's okay to hang out with non-Christians as long as they don't influence your mindsets, your behavior. But rather, we're called to be the light into that environment, to shine forth His truth. 
Be aware of the influence of others. Allow people who are full of God, full of joy, full of faith to get around you. Go and visit, visit in the nursing home Heather Andrews and Leslie Andrews if you haven't done that for a while. Go and visit them and they will speak life into you. And you'll walk out feeling one foot, I, I need this, one foot taller, walking around like this. I, was, um, I flicked on Channel 78, right? This is totally off topic, Channel 78. It's that racing channel, right? I don't watch it, but there was this guy talking and, 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 this, and this commentator was asking the jockey, how tall are you? Well, you're a tall jockey. And he said, I'm 166 centimetres. And I'm sitting at home going, I'm 165 and a half. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm shorter than a tall jockey. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want that influence in my life. <laughs> I'm not going to speak that. The influence of others. Renewing your mind. Renewing your mind. Meeting with God, the influence of others. Friends, we're going to end here. You can change. Everyone say, I can change. Go. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that? You might be walking with the same thing for many, many years. And you might be stuck in the same area for many, many years. And you think to yourself, maybe I can't change. Maybe I'm stuck here forever. The message for you this morning is, you can change. Renew your mind. Meet with God. Get good people around you, and you can go on that journey of transformation. I did it. The Apostle Paul did it. And I want to finish with the story of, of, of Anisimus. If you have, have you ever read the book of Philemon in the New Testament? The book of Philemon is, is about a guy named Onesimus, who was a Christian who was a slave or a servant or an employee of this guy named Philemon who ran a church. And Anisimus, as a Christian and part of the church, was a bad worker for, for Philemon. He didn't do the things he should have done. He got paid for stuff he shouldn't do. Maybe even took stuff that wasn't his. And all of a sudden, Onesimus just took off. And Philemon and the church had a really negative view of this young young Christian because he wasn't fulfilling his duties. He did the wrong thing by him. And and in some ways, it makes sense for him to have have have, have a wrong opinion. And Onesimus ends up with the apostle Paul somehow. We don't know how, but he ends up there. And Paul teaches him. And leads him to God and encounters God. And Onesimus changes. And a few, we don't know how long later, a few years later, Paul writes to Philemon and the church that meets and he says, I'm sending Onesimus back to you. He was once useless. Now he is useful because he's now been transformed and he's a man of God. In Colossians chapter 4, it talks about Onesimus this way. Paul describes him as a faithful and dear brother. He was a Christian in a church and he got it wrong. He made a heap of mistakes. He let people down. He took off. And yet he was transformed. He was changed. And if I can be changed, and if the Apostle Paul can be changed, and if Onesimus can be changed, you can be changed too. Allow God to do his work in your life. And that addiction, that bad habit, that bondage, that wrong mindset, It can change. It can change. If you pursue God, if you renew your mind, if you get good influence, friends, I I declare this morning that you will change in the name of Jesus. Father, we want to thank you on this day for this word. Father, we pray that each one of us will be changed, that each one of us will be transformed. 
God, your desire for us is to be saved, but not just to be saved and stay there, but to be saved and be transformed to be the person that you want us to be. God, in this room, there's no doubt people who are stuck. They've got habits that are like, I've been here and and I can't change it. And God, we want to break those thoughts now and those, 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 those words that have been spoken over people's lives in this place. We want to break them now in Jesus' name. And we pray that each person, God, will believe that they can change. They can change because that you are the God of transformation. As we come to the end of this service, as we sing this song of worship, God, even as we worship you now and as we invite you to move in our lives, may you break stuff, may you change mindsets, may you move in this place. And as we leave this place, God, may we be deliberate in renewing our minds, getting your truth, filling our mind with your truth and believing it. That we would create space, God, for you to move in our lives and transform us. And that we will get around people who can speak life and encourage us to go deeper with you. In Jesus' name. Amen.